This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to Coruscant Radio Underground. Uh, as always, I'm Andrew, and uh, I've got an awesome panel joining me tonight to talk a little book of Boba Fett. Uh, Kelly is joining us tonight. Uh, is this your first time joining us? It is my first time joining you. Awesome. Uh, we've, we've got another first timer on the show. We've got Blake from Dork Wars Podcast. Awesome. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And uh, DJ, who has been with us a couple of times, I, I believe. But Man, I'm the grizzled old vet. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to have you here. So, um, yeah. So, we we missed a couple of episodes getting to, to sit and talk about episodes two and three. Um, and I'm really, other than uh, Kelly, I was on Rose show on, uh, the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast with Kelly last week. Yes. So we, we have talked a little bit about it, but specifically with, uh, DJ and Blake, <clears throat> I haven't really gotten a lot of y'all's take on the show up to before, you know, up to one through three. How did y'all feel about the show up to this point? Go ahead, Blake. Um, so I've enjoyed this uh enjoyed the show for thoroughly this far um episode one you know gave us some good setup i know a lot of people complained that it was short and that not not a lot happened but it's a good setup the second episode was phenomenal that third episode was not quite as good for me but this this fourth episode seems to get things ramped back up yeah what about you dj Oh man, uh, I've actually been fairly critical of uh, the whole series. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's the flashbacks. They're like trying to tell two stories at once, mm-hmm. which is a fairly common trope these days. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe just, maybe an overdone trope. It just seems like that they're they're concentrating so much on the back story on some episodes and it's, and it's great, but mm-hmm. when they show what's in the present, it just kind of falls flat. And then there's others that, you know, it shows, you know, what's going on presently and it's great, but the flat, then they throw in a flashback and it's like, eh, I wish they wouldn't have done that. So uh, I haven't gotten an even episode yet. No, there's nothing that's really jiving with me. Um, I'm enjoying it as a Star Wars fan, but I'm just not, it's, it's not meshing yet. Okay. I'm hoping the last three will really pull it together, but we'll see. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm still really enjoying the show. I, of course, you know, I've had some, some gripes about it, but of course, um, I think that my biggest thing with it, and I, and I stand by this episode really hammered this home for me. The first episode, maybe the first two should have been the flashback stuff. There was no reason for the back and forth since it's not apparently not running through the whole series. Like this one brought us up to date. We should be done with flashbacks. I just think that it would have been less distracting to have told that story because I love that story. In fact, so far, the flashbacks are the meat of the story. I just wish they would have told those flashbacks, maybe even fleshed them out a little more and then 
picked up with from there. Maybe like middle of episode two, we pick up with the present and move forward. Um, but I, I do really like the flashbacks. The only thing that I don't think the flashbacks did a good job of conveying, and they really, because up until this episode, I was constantly questioning how long was he with the Tuscans? How long was he in the pit? Yeah. Well, now we know he was with the Tuscans for four or five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was always the suspicion, but it doesn't, like, the flashbacks don't do anything to make you feel like he spent that kind of time with them. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Yeah. It, it really seems that from the flashbacks, it looked to me maybe a couple months, you know, mm-hmm. at most, just, right. just the way they did the flashbacks, that it just kind of seemed he was a prisoner. He was then friends with them, and then they died, you know? But Right. Yeah, they rushed it. It's like, where, like, how did the time work? Like, how much time was he there as a prisoner? Like, mm-hmm. how long was he there before he ingratiated himself to the chief? How long was he there, you know, before he becomes a member of the tribe? And how long was he an actual full-fledged member of the tribe? Like, where did the bulk of that time fall? Right. Uh, And I'm really assuming that he spent the bulk of his time as a member of the tribe. And that's why it means so much to him. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. Or maybe even if they would have the first two episodes... Maybe, maybe the first three episodes just be all flashback. You know, yeah. you start off the series here, you know, he comes out of the Sarlacc pit and, you know, then you start the story. And then in the middle of number three or even number four, the way that we got it, um, you know, where you get a more present day uh, to what's going on. You know, they've already right. shown some imagery of, uh, of what's happened, you know, the trailers and everything before some of the right. art, you know, him throwing uh, showing, uh, being on the throne, you know, it's just, it, they could have told a full story from here. Here's where he escaped. He was there for a while. Now that they start, you know, it, uh, you start pulling in the musical cues, the, um, you know, uh, the other relationships that he had. And then you start with three and a half and you finish out the series and you go from there. Yeah. No, I I think at at this point, that's my one complaint about the show is that I think it should have just been told in a linear story. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree Um, with that. But, you know, I've, I've had issues with the, um, I, I still like, I'm having trouble getting my mind around the whole, the mod squad. (laughs) Um, aspect of it but it's you know it's like some of it works but in some of it just seems a little off and i can't quite put my finger on what doesn't feel right about it It, it's really cartoony it is a little cartoony it's um but i did like when we see them in this episode i did nothing was as like I didn't have the issues with like, I mean, we still see some of the scooters there, you know, their bikes and, and those things. And they bothered me less in this episode, either because one, it just wasn't jarring. Like it was in the first time we saw them or because they just, it might just be the scenes in episode three that just feel off and not even the bikes themselves. But um, there are some very memeable moments in episode three. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But but overall, like I said, overall, I'm liking it. And for me, this episode is the episode that really started to gel 
everything together. Um, and, and the thing is, is, you know, you look at it and you go, and I heard Roe ask this question earlier in their show, is episode four too late for it to start taking off? And, and actually what I would say to that is I think that this episode, because of the way it wraps Boba's, the flashback part of the story, I think vastly improves the first three episodes. Like things that we didn't necessarily understand about Boba's motives are now clear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's too late. Uh, I think that if this would have been a six episode uh, show, then yeah, I think they, they would have went over. But uh, with this being the middle episode, you have three, you know, uh, three to begin with, three to bookend, and then this is the the hinge pin in the middle that that marries the two. Uh, I I really think that it works and it makes yes ma- makes the first three uh, a little more palatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That I mean that's the thing for me is like I really I really like the story they're telling. To me, the story overall is is really well done. I feel there's some visual aspect to it that are a little have been off at times. And I feel like there are little hits and misses with um, where Finnick once one time Finnick seems to play one side of an issue. And then later she kind of plays the other side of the issue. One, one moment she wants to be the aggressor in the next moment. She's saying, hold on, let's not do that right now. And, um, mm-hmm. And I don't. And, and also, I know there were some things where Timura Morrison has said, you know, he constantly thought while they were making this that Boba was talking too much, and so he kept pushing for some of his lines to be given to Finnick. And I just right. wonder if they did that at some point, mm-hmm. and later went, we should not have given Finnick that line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lee, I mean, yeah. Uh, Man, Fennec is an interesting character in this whole situation because uh, up to this point, she's been more of a the, uh, and I'll badly mispronounce this word, but Diamo. Uh, she's yeah. been more of the Diamo uh, of this and trying to keep, you know, Boba, you know, engaged and you know, hey, come on, let's let's go take yeah. care of business, and right. you know, and you know, she's well, and, they- and well deserved. She's an amazing character. Yeah. They but kind of explained that. Story. They kind of explained that in the flashback. Um, after um, Boba took her to, you know, found her, rescued her, and they started becoming friends. Um, he, when he asked her to be with him to start this new head, um, he said, I need brains as well as brawn, and you're both. So, you know, we we know from that point on that he always kind of figured that not only is she going to be, you know, the queen assassin, but she's also going to be the brains of the operation to right. help him out well, and steer him where think, he's going to go. Yeah. And I think Finnick was always built up to be our mirror for Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reason this character exists. I mean, yeah. even in the only episode that we had her in, in The Mandalorian, it was all to put her in this one. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And she is everything that he was before this life changing five years that he has spent in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you can see that in that first episode. She's like, well, why don't you let them bring you in on a litter? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Like, why don't you rule more like Jabba would have? And he kind of pulls back. It's like, no, we're not going to do things that way. And I really like that. Um, I like that dynamic between them like you're talking about. It's like she's a mirror for mm-hmm. Boba Fett. So right. that's awesome. Yeah. So what did y'all think as we wrap this, The since we spent a, the first half of this episode wrapping up the flashbacks, what did y'all think about the portion of flashbacks in this story? In, in this episode? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much that as soon as I was done with this episode, I went back to season one, episode five of The Mandalorian and watched that. And then I went and rewatched Boba Fett again. So it, and it matches up great. And I never saw it coming. So I loved it. I really like the action. Um, uh, I like seeing how Finnick became uh, Boba's right hand woman. I like seeing that stuff. I think the biggest problem for me with the flashbacks, though, is there was nothing of consequence. Like we knew the outcome of almost every single thing mm-hmm. that happened. Which is fine. I, I, I understand the need for setup, but I kind of wish they would have splashed that in over the last few episodes instead of like, well, here's a bunch of stuff that we already know the end to. Because hmm. we, yeah. we knew Boba Fett's armor wasn't in the Sarlacc pit. We knew Phoenix survived. Yeah. We knew he got his shit back. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the upside to the this scene of you know going to the palace to get the ship <laughs> is that we got what so far is probably the best action sequence in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, Ming Na really got her chance to to show off. Yeah, yeah definitely. In that scene. And you know, that's why you bring her on in the first mm-hmm. place, is because of what she can do in an action sequence. Um DJ, what did you think about this uh this last section of uh flashbacks? Uh it it almost didn't even seem like it was a flashback. Uh, it just the tone. The tone was different. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it came. It it was. um, I don't know if it's just because it was more present day, and I you kind of knew some of the outlying things that was going around in the galaxy uh, up to this point. Uh, But uh, it it really didn't feel yeah completely different tone than the first three episode flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, and, and I liked it better this way. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they do have more flashbacks, I hope they keep that this tone going forward, which I don't think that they're going to anymore. I think that we're, I we're, I think we're done, uh, <clears throat> with the flashback sequences, but, um, yeah, I was very critical to start with and they got a little better and mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, you know, ups and downs, but this last one was amazing. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot I really appreciate about this flashback. One is the sound design on the scene that Kelly was talking about with uh, the Boba Fett scene, because if you go back yeah. and watch it, the sound design, because now we know that they 100% telegraphed that that was Boba Fett in that scene. Right. <laughs> because they had the spurs, the sound of the armor. It's mm-hmm. not in this one. They took that out. I don't know if y'all caught that. They yeah. took those mm-hmm. sounds out. Yep. So yeah. all they were doing in the Mandalorian was saying, yeah, you know who this is. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, we, we all drew our conclusions back then, mm-hmm. but I, never did I see it coming. And right. I saw those, I don't know, flare blinders, the, the flash, mm-hmm. the two flashes. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember this. <laughs> and it, right. it was wonderful. It was awesome. And then I like how they continued that to where, you know, we were all like, how did, you know, um, Fennec survive? You know, because we all saw her get shot. And then I love how they took, Boba took her to, I don't know, the mod, the mod crew. Mod yeah. Yeah. Mod shop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like that. Oh, and going back to before, I really like the mod guys. Because if you think about it, why should Star Wars be different than anywhere else? Because you always have these, you know, teenagers, 20-somethings, they're all, you know, tattooing or body modifications yeah. or piercings, dyeing their hair. And why should tattooing be any different from that age group? Well, so I, I really like it. <laughs> despite the fact of I'm not like the way some of it has looked, the mod parlor and the mod culture is actually a really interesting concept in Star Wars. Yeah, uh, it's really neat. You know, especially on a place like Tatooine, right, where we've mm -hmm. had such hatred for droids. And it's not just Tatooine. We've got a galaxy that still has a hatred of droids because of a war 30 years before. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but now we're in a, this post-Empire world and and culture is coming back. It might not mm -hmm. look the same, but we're we're seeing an unsuppressed culture out from yeah. under the thumb of the Empire. And I do find all that really, really intriguing. And I don't know um, how big into like the whole rock scene, you know, shock, uh, anything. Uh, you guys were back in the 80s and the 90s, but the head guy who was doing the modifications, he's actually the bass player in a group called Suicidal Tendencies. I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys heard of them oh, yeah. or yeah. Yeah. okay dj i know you had to have <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. i thought that was pretty cool that was a pretty cool nod <laughs> yeah it, it, they were interesting uh when i first saw them uh in that episode uh i guess it was it was it two or three that they first showed up uh and uh, my first thought was man they just they look cartoonish uh, yeah, it, it, it reminded me so much of like Back to the Future Part Two, mm. and you know they had all <laughs> these crazy little things going, and I'm like, what in the world? This just doesn't. I if 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 you were to see it, I would expect almost like a, um, cyborg from DC, you know, a darker, grittier kind of thing going on, and mm. but yeah, it was just. It was really pop culture ish to me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it kind of grew on me. Yeah. yeah. Like said, the concept is interesting. I mean, we have had, we do have a history in Star Wars of people doing modifications. I mean, we go back mm -hmm. to Lobot and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, right. We go back even in, in, in kind of this change of perception of being part machine. You know, we go back to what Obi Wan tells Luke about about vader that he's more machine now than man twisted and evil yeah and yeah. uh so this this perception of someone who is part machine who's modified their body to be part machine yeah um so i i do think that there's some really really interesting subplot with that but um mm -hmm. i do i do uh I don't know. Like I said, there's something that's still just a little off visually about it for me. And, yeah. and it's, um, but I, I, I mean, that, that'll, that's the sort of thing they'll sort that out. Like, yeah. Um, 
it, it's a new idea and you know I, I know first time I saw it I was like Voltron <laughs> <laughs> yeah you get this in the black the you know the black scooter and we could have formed Voltron well that was Bulba he was dressed in yeah. black <laughs> yeah our but I I enjoyed it though. I mean, I I really get into this stuff. Um, there, I need things to hit me out of left field to say, "Oh, we've got new stuff," you know, because right. I have all these crazy head cannons going on in my head constantly on what can happen next and who are we going to see. And then we we get the the mod gang and. It was like, oh, I never saw that coming. So yeah. I kind of appreciate yeah. things like that. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention that I really appreciated about the flashbacks, um, because it's just, it reaches back to the roots of what Star Wars is at its core with its design, is the Bantha, the yeah. the yeah. the puppet. That mm -hmm. thing is absolutely amazing. I think they said it yeah. takes four <laughs> people to operate it. Um, yes. It's... <laughs> I mean, maybe one of the most complex puppets they've done outside of yeah. Grogu at this point. Yeah, and it's so lifelike. I think they did a really good job of bringing it to, to life. And, you know, having Boba attach to the Bantha mm -hmm. is, is a pretty cool thing. Because we've seen that, you know, last episode, he's a, um, kind of... Uh, he, the rancor imprints on him and they, they yes. start have like going back and forth. He's petting it. He has this with his, with this Bantha as well. Like even to the point yes. leave the Bantha and he's like, go have a good life, go make Bantha babies. Mm -hmm. You know, you do you. And I think <laughs> I it's really that. interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The, the practical effects uh, just, still astound me and uh, even when i was you know from when i was a kid till now uh the the rancor was a uh practical effect in this one uh yep. and i i saw it and i'm like oh thank god it's not cgi mm -hmm. uh you know it's i i almost wish that the huts were not cgi but yeah. to carry around that much weight on <laughs> on a platform would, would have just been uh, too much for any man to carry. Right. Um, now, I do think yeah. the one thing they did really well with the huts, though, they, despite making them digital, they made them appear to have weight. Yes. Like, they yes. really oh, they did. did a great job they with did. telegraphing <laughs> that these things are incredibly heavy. You know, yes. it's uh, the people struggling to hold them up, the bowing of the, the yeah. platform itself. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Even though they went digital, I love that they made it feel like it had weight because sometimes you get digital stuff and it just, it doesn't, it, you can't buy it as real because it doesn't appear to have weight. Yeah. It's just there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're yeah. even talking about, um, you know, uh, Black Kirstanen. Uh, and yeah, that was, I, I loved seeing him show up. Oh, um, yes. such such a big. You know, although I think they did bobble the backstory a little bit, yeah. Uh, you know, because Boba and him knew each other before this time, and yeah. you know, it kind of seemed like you know, it's like uh, you know, hey, take it from you know an ex bounty hunter. He's like, dude, he knows who you are. I mean, yeah. come on. Right. Uh, but just a, a practical effect, just seeing another Wookie out there uh, and have it be that Wookie. 
mm-hmm. was just yeah. absolutely amazing. And it, and it looks so good. Like yeah. we've yeah. done we've done other Wookies before, <laughs> um, and this is probably one of the best. I mean, there were some pretty good looking Wookies in, um, you know, in the prequels. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The ones know. we I saw in, but I think uh, next to Chewbacca, I think this is the best uh physical representation of a Wookiee we've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so all the details on him. Um like I I really got to notice in my third watch all the details on him. Like even down to like the silver rings on his little black dreads. Like it, he's amazing. He is magnificent. Yeah, they they've really done an outstanding job with with a lot of that stuff in this show, which I is you know it's what you expect from, you know, from the people at Lucasfilm. That's right. What they built there, you know that that's the backbone of that company is their the the ability to build that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're definitely on the cutting edge. Right. Yeah. Um. So a couple of last things about the flashback, and then we'll we'll really move forward from there. One, uh, Finnick calls into question the fact, and we had already kind of done this last week when we talked, but uh, Finnick really calls into question the Nikto's being the ones that killed the Tuscans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I want to hear everybody's theory on, on that, like on who killed the Tuscans. Hmm. Uh, the Pikes. I think it yeah. might've been the Pikes or it could be, a whole nother syndicate that we never saw it coming because okay we you know we're we're expecting it to be the pikes like what if it's crimson dawn you know like what if they just like give us another kapow <laughs> that'd be wild that would be so cool <laughs> but yeah I, yeah she calls into question that yeah the, the biker king no way they could take out a group of tuscans they're too skilled and my first thought of course is the pikes but mm-hmm. I began to think about this, and why would the Pikes want the Tuscans dead? You know, it really hadn't added up. You know, they were they were going to battle it out with the biker gang to see who paid more. So I, I really don't know. Maybe the Pikes had a hand in it, but I definitely don't think it was the biker gang just because of that dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be something bigger. Um, right. One of my running theories, and this is probably like a, a, a far reach out there, but uh, I think by the end of this, we're going to find out that the pikes, the bikes are not like a physical alien race. Like they don't get down and just go to war. Like they'll shoot people and stuff like that. But I feel like that they've hired like a group of bounty hunters to just get the job done, you know, cause they have all the money, right? They're rich, filthy rich. They can buy all the muscle. And I think that's why we get the, the stuff at the end with Bob and Finnick about buying muscle and brawn or brains yeah. and all that. So I think there's a group of bounty hunters out there. I don't know if they were, they had their hand in this, but that's kind of my running theory. Uh, DJ, do you have any thoughts about any other thoughts about that? Well, I and yeah, that's it. It has crossed my mind. Uh, Crimson Dawn, definitely. Um, I just I don't uh, I don't think it's I don't I don't think so. I think that's a little, little bit far reaching. Um, I, I can't see them bringing in that without a uh, solo two or, you know, cause I mean, the last time that we saw them is, is it's been a while. 
they have other things that they're uh, uh, attending to. So I, I really do think it, it was the Pikes. I think that they were just, you know, it's like, hey, we already got the money from from these guys. Uh, you know, if, uh, you know, why? But what if this, DJ? Like, what if this? Like, you said you can't imagine Crimson Dawn. But we never imagined Book of Boba Fett until the very last episode of The Mandalorian, where it said the Book of Boba Fett coming in December of 2021. What if, like, they, they show Kira in the final episode, and then they say Solo 2 coming in 2023? Like... Totally I mean, there's always been a lot of speculation it. that if Solo 2 were to happen in any form, that it could be as a show rather than a movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I'm gonna. I'm just going to say, I don't know exactly. I do think the Pikes are fully responsible for the death of the Tuscans. I think they're eliminating a problem. Mm. I think they've got two crews out there that are, there are vying for power and wanting both, both of them wanting protect to, you know, protection paid to them. They eliminated one probably with hopes that he would eliminate the other. Yeah. And and then he's alone and has no power to, you know. But the theme song, the Mandalorian or the, the Boba Fett theme, as the full ver the version that plays at the end of the episodes, the Crimson Dawn theme is one hundred percent interwoven into the theme. I haven't thought I about that. that. I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> it's there. Um, it, it plays towards the end of the the Book of Boba Fett theme. Mm -hmm. The Crimson Dawn theme from Solo is actually interwoven into the music. Wow. I didn't even pick up on that. And, the, and I think, I honestly think, we don't know five years after. I mean, we're way after we have anything dealing in the criminal underworld. Mm -hmm. in, right. So... I actually think the Pikes are 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 under the rule of Crimson Dawn at this point. The logo, the emblem that the Pikes are wearing at this point is not the emblem that we saw them wearing uh, the last time we saw them in uh, either the animated series or in mm -hmm. Solo. It's mm. true. That part's true. It did pick up on that. Yeah, I mean... Anytime that we uh, might get the possibility of seeing Kira, I'm all for, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, such a great character. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think she could hold her own show. I mean, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I, think she, I don't even think she needs Han Solo. That's just yeah, that's true. I mean, if they're setting up the underworld and they're going to have her still running Crimson Dawn, then we really don't have to have Han Solo involved to bring so. her back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I do think that in the conversation in the flashback with Finnick, I think that Boba Fett gives us what is ultimately going to be the overarching theme of this entire show, which is you can only get so far without a tribe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I do think 100%. And I think this next episode based on the end, I think that's where this is leading. Um, and I'll get into that more towards the end of the episode, but I, I think that that when, when we look back on this at the end of seven episodes, I think that's the theme of this show. Well, you're right because I mean, look what he's done so far. He's got Finnick. He's recruited the mighty Morphin robot kids. He's, um, got, Black <laughs> he's got the Rancor, Danny Trejo. Uh, he doesn't have a name. 
I, there, I feel like a lot of people don't have a name for some Rancor Wrangler. Yeah, yeah, but he's got Danny Trejo. I mean, who else does he need, really? He's building a tribe. Like, that's what he's right. doing. And mm-hmm. even later on this episode, he's still kind of trying to get more people in that tribe. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's still interesting because his motives right now are to build a tribe. It's not to right. go out there and be this big criminal empire. That's right. You know, so what are they at the end of this series? I mean, you know, they're not, you know, it's, it's, I guess that's still going to be open for interpretation, but they're not necessarily setting up to be a criminal empire. Right. It's more like a family because even in his flashbacks, you had Boba, we all know the Boba and Django, you know, we all know what happened there, you know, um, and then the Tuscans, you know, and they were all taken from him. Even when it came to his time with um, uh, Jabba's barge, and he was like part of that little network there, and then they were all destroyed. So, you know, every place that he's ever belonged has been ripped away from him. And he just, I think it all boils down to he just wants a family. Yeah. Yeah. And then where does Omega fit into all this? So I think that they're showing, there has to be more to the flashback on Camino, even though we didn't go back there this week. I think so too. I do think that there's something more there. And I think that he's going to, I think we're going to get another flashback at the end here. For whatever reason, we're getting another flashback. We're going to get the rest of that scene. Yeah. And I think it's going to be remembering he has a sister. I think so too. I think so too. But is that going to be like chapter two of, (laughs) or not chapter two, book two of the book of Boba Fett? Or will that be in the Bad Batch? Or will that be in Ahsoka? You know, like. And that's the thing that they're building. uh, Favreau and Filoni are building a very interwoven world, which is, which is great. So I love it. Really that can, I I mean, right now we don't have any indication that this is not a one-off series. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in fact, that is the indication that we have right now that that's exactly what this is. But I do think that at the end of this, we set Boba Fett up to a point where he can literally show up anywhere. Yeah. 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 Will it go back to the Mandalorian? Because like now that we're halfway through this season, they're really making it sound like one of the spokes of the Mandalorian. You know, this is just one of the books, you know, right? so so many possibilities. There's one more line in the flashback I wanted to ask y'all about, because I'm curious right now if it's a throwaway line if it's something that got cut out of the flashbacks, because I kind of got the feeling maybe they cut some of that out with the way we rushed through the last little bit of it to catching us up to the present. Uh, but Boba says, uh, when he's talking about what he's going to do, he says, I'm going to go kill that bloated pig who double crossed me talking about um, Bib Fortuna. <laughs> mm. So what context are we missing? What did Bib Fortuna do? Huh. I don't know. I've been trying <laughs> to figure that one out. It, it, he stole a ship, so, you know, there's that. I'm assuming yeah. that he went and asked for his ship back. Yeah. And was turned away. Yeah, but, either that or was told, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, you can go get your ship. And, you know, and then he goes to get his ship and then is, uh, 
you know, told, uh, yeah, you'll, uh, you, you can have your ship for an extra, you know, 200 credits or something like that and changes the deal. Um, you know, or no, if it works I mean, for me for two, you know, 20 years or so, then, uh, I'll allow you to have your ship. So something, I wish they would have shown that though. You know, that, that seems like something kind of big for them not to at least give like a, a two minute scene to, you know, but you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some, something else that I was kind of curious about. And, uh, so I did a little research, you know, there's, uh, this is about nine years after return of the Jedi. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And between this and the force, well, do, we Awakens, think we're that, do we think we're that far forward? No, we should be about five because this takes place around uh, the same time as the Mandalorian. Well, some of the flashback. Yeah. Well, in the flat, uh, the Mandalorian is around nine, isn't it? I think it's, I no, thought it five. was nine, but then it was five. So, Hmm, okay, somewhere between five and nine. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll say a happy seven. There's been some times, <laughs> yeah. you know. So and then the Force Awakens is twenty five years after this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, about. you know, uh, and then because when they're talking about the crime syndicates in the fourth uh, Force Awakens, there's no huts, there's no pikes, there's no crimson dawn. It's Kanji Club. It's um, uh, uh, Guavian Death Gang, uh, which replaced uh, Guavian Death Gang replaced uh, Crimson Dawn. The Pikes and the Huts uh, were taken over by uh, Kanji Club uh, and the Ra- uh, and Red Key Raiders. Um, you know, Black Sun was in hunt. there, but they're mm-hmm. th- they're no. Uh, no, no longer uh, in effect. So uh, it's not that long. Where I, I think we're going to see it by at least by the end of Boba Fett. I think all of the crime families will probably be gone. Um, it might take two seasons to do that, uh, but I think that's the main goal: is that there's not going to be a, really any more large five, say five family. Uh, um. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I lost my thought. Absolutely. No more mafia. I got you, people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No more mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. No more high. Uh, high profile gangs. It's going to be more lower key uh, than what it is. So there's uh, no telling where they're going to go with this. We just know that uh, you know they're on a short bor- borrowed time as it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's probably Jabba's destruction that did all that. I mean, it seems like Jabba was like the main anchor hold for the huts. I mean, it just yeah. seems that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the uh, uh, probably, I mean, the most Boba Fett scene in the whole thing, like our, our traditional old school Boba Fett, Boba Fett running down uh, the Nikto. Uh, biker gang and i love the scene i love that you know you can just see a dot out there in the distance and it's just (laughs) you know bearing down on them uh and it's just it's like if you wondered if boba fett was still capable of being brutal Mm -hmm. yes absolutely (laughs) oh yeah i mean just seeing him gun down that biker gang man it it was nice. Like it was great. I was, I was so sad when the Tuscans died. Like I was, I was heartbroken. It was I'm like, too. 
They're two weeks before the Tuscans died. I didn't even care about Tuscan Raiders. Who cares? Mm-hmm. They're saying people. No one likes them. And then in two episodes, I became like the biggest Tuscan Raider fanboy that you would yes. ever, ever believe. And then John Favreau kills them. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. Um, and broke my heart. It, just mm-hmm. to see those bikers get what they deserve, that was good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, are, are we going to completely skip over the part where Boba kills the Sarlacc? Well, no. Fennec. I, I, I definitely want to know what y'all thought about that scene. Uh, one, the, the curiousness. I mean, clearly he was so out of it when he crawled out of the Sarlacc that he doesn't really remember it. Of course. You know, he thinks his armor is still in there. So, mm-hmm. uh, But what did y'all think about that scene? Oh, it's my favorite noise in all of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> my first watch, I saw that. I, thank God I was outside on the deck. I screamed and then I rewound it and watched it again. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I was convinced that the Sarlacc had already been dead. I thought Boba had killed mm-hmm. it, just lit it on fire from the inside and it was done. Yeah. But no. Well, I, I that was, that was the impression. I mean, I think, I'm not sure Boba didn't think it was dead as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know, when we saw it in the first episode, we thought we didn't know if they had just gone back to a. Um, pre-special edition version of the pit because we didn't right. see the beak. Right. But, right. Um, they actually, the beak, I mean, as far as, you know, talking about the way things have looked in this show, like the beak looks terrible in the prequels. It, mm-hmm. it yeah. looks like the thing, the, the plant from little shop of horrors, but yeah. um, it actually looks, you know, intimidating in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like um, in the Mandalorian, they did a really good job with the, um, the super battle droids. Mm-hmm. With the way, I mean, they look cartoonish in the prequels, but in the Mandalorian, that thing looks terrifying. Yeah, it really does. And yeah. so they they really, you can really see where the visual effect, the digital visual effects have come a really long ways right. uh, since the prequels came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, Definitely. I, I, there was a, I believe it was a comic that... Um, that covered that and it was somebody else that had destroyed the the sarlacc thinking that boba was uh, was still inside um and i can't remember it's like nut from nut or something like it k-n-u-t and hmm. you know and, and yeah that was a, a comic and at the time you know who could tell whether or not comics were their own thing or if you know if this was something that was supposed to be taking taken as canon right. um I, I i loved it uh, uh like like kelly did i had to i watched it on my phone first uh Me and too. when i got home uh i had to put it on the surround sound just to hear the <laughs> seismic charge yeah yes. uh, and yes. yeah uh it, it, it is uh one of my top favorite it's it's not my fa- tie fighter screaming by is my favorite uh but uh the seismic charge is definitely uh one of my favorite sounds oh it, it's it's <sighs> amazing it. and and setting it off underground and actually seeing the whole everything even the, yes. the barge on the yeah. hill shifts yes. uh, it was just a really really Little cool moment tendrils going here and there <laughs> I love when the when when the ship pulls back and the tentacles are falling off. Yes, so cool. Yeah, no, everything everything about that scene looks really really cool. Yeah, they did a really great job with it. Uh, the the shot from down inside the pit, watching the ship 
move yeah. over the hole was was really cool. That was really cool. That was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people think like, oh, it's just filler content. You know, why do we have to see this? But I wanted to see this, so I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. Like, I mean, you could argue that it's a waste of time to go back to the Sarlacc pit, that you he should have just remembered that his armor wasn't there. And, yeah. you know, but at the same time, it's, it's still interesting storytelling because now you've got set up this whole thing where he has to figure out where it is. And I don't know if we're ever going to see that part of the story, Yeah, but um, you know, it, it, it just adds, it, it just broadens the story. Yeah. Cause yeah. now we know, now we know that he didn't know that the jaw was stole his armor. We don't yeah. like, up till now. Maybe he didn't like he might have been out of it, but he may have been aware enough to be like, oh, there's creepy little dudes that were me taking my armor, you know. But um, now we definitely know that he he goes back to Sarlacc Pit and now he's on the search for his armor and he has mm -hmm. less knowledge than we do about where it's mm -hmm. at, you know. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's really <sighs> like three things left I want to cover before we mm -hmm. wrap up. Uh, the first is uh, Black Chrysanthemum. At the sanctuary. Oh, yeah. Um, and we already mm -hmm. talked about how good the character looks. Yes. Um, I love that he's just sitting there getting drunk and fuming <laughs> about transitions. Yeah. I mean, you could just, like, hear what he's thinking from the way he's, like, slurping his grog or whatever he's drinking. <laughs> yeah. and Spotchka. like just, gotta be Spotchka. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, like, you know, getting anger and angrier and, like... Right. And I love the way they show it. I mean, they actually like, I mean, the dolly zoom that they used, I mean, that's straight out of Alfred Hitchcock, you yeah. know, and it was what he always used to show, you know, stress or building frustration was that, that dolly zoom. And, and that's what they did. And I mean, he's just getting more pissed off with every drink. Oh, and, I loved you, it. and you can see it. I mean, you can yeah. see it on his face and just that level yes. of, of effects is crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was great. Furniture moving up in here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and it took me all the way back to the original, like the original yeah. A New Hope, where um Han is like, you know, uh when they when they were playing, what was it? Like wizard chess or whatever <laughs> <laughs> whatever they were playing i, I think that was sorcerer's stone uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but um who was it 3po like did you did you ever play an angry wookie and you know you let him win and you know uh he doesn't tear your arm off or something if he loses or something like that and and yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure that game is Dajaric, I believe, is, is the game. Yeah, I think yes. I, I totally blanked on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a fair one to blank on. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, because, you know, Trandoshans are known for hunting Wookiees. We even see one right. has already delivered a Wookiee belt uh, to Boba Fett, uh, you know, as tribute. So um, I love the scene. I, I'm, I mean... What did y'all think about the scene overall? I think that the sanctuary is a really interesting place, which is great because it's kind of in keeping with cantinas and Star Wars in general. Is, is they're just interesting places. Mm -hmm. It just 
it, it, it was an amazing scene. And then when Boba comes in and uh, I, Jennifer Beals, I can't remember the character name. Garza Swip. Um, yeah, Gar- yeah. Madam Garza Swip. Yeah. So, like and, and she, you know, it, it, she's like trying to talk him down. And then the arm comes off and she just kind of <laughs> looks and just like, eh. She's like, and Bob was like, "You have to try." (laughs) You know, oh, it was that. That was absolutely, yeah. uh, It it was amazing. Uh, They didn't show it. There was, there was no blood either on the arm, which I I thought was amazing. Uh, At first, I thought they're going to treat it like the arm in uh, A New Hope and the Cantina scene, and there's going to be blood on the floor and everything. I wish they would have done that, but we didn't get that. Disney, you know, just you know, just to you know, just like a flashback where it's not even the right arm; it's just that scene that you just see the same arm sitting there, you know, just just for a gag. you know, maybe we'll get it on a gag reel or something. That'd be amazing. But yeah, it was uh, the scene was handled uh, beautifully. Uh, you could definitely um, uh, sense that tension as it builds, and you think that you finally get them calmed down and everything's going to be all right. And then pop goes the arm. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Man, I think I think DJ said it best. I mean that. That tension, him beating the crap out of those transitions was yeah, not. Yeah, I'm not sure the one got his arm ripped off didn't come out of that better than some of his compatriots. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, the arm, like, I mean, transitions regrow limbs. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, so no harm, no foul there. But <laughs> doggone, like he's bashing the heads into these mm-hmm. other guys. Yeah, and classy. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that knuckle buster. That seems to be a mod too. I believe that. Uh, Black Chrysanthemum is in the newer Dr. Al, uh, Afra <laughs> comics. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a mod, I believe, is those yeah. knuckle dusters. Well, he there. has those. I think those are extra. I think, but there's a, I think in that comic, they, that he had metal injected into his knuckles. Yeah. So, yeah. So they might be extra. I might be wrong on that. But um, as classy as the sanctuary is, this doesn't seem to be an odd occurrence. So that's that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Like, it really gives that pomp and circumstance kind of feel, you know? Like, you go into Sanctuary, everyone's pretty cool. They're playing here, doing there. There's music. And then this Wookiee just destroys all these Trandoshans <laughs> that everyone doesn't bat an eye. And at right. the end, like, hit it, Max. And then Max Rebo just starts playing again. And everything's back to normal. But... Spawning yeah, off one, of that one, thought, one day we're gonna have to find out how Max made it off the barge, though, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the new that's, spinoff show. <laughs> well, that, that yeah, that's what I've been saying for a while now. Like Disney Plus, where's our Max Rebo show? Like he's at least alive <laughs> for the Christmas special. I don't know if you've seen the Lego Holiday special. He's playing at, at private parties. We can do it Blues Brothers style and get the band yeah. back together. That's right. Well, the, the rest of the band's dead because in the Lego Star Wars, they literally say something in, in gibberish or alien, whatever. And he goes, oh, my condolences about the rest of his band. So the rest of the band's dead in 30 years. This is it's right. sad. It's a sad story. Mm-hmm. Max has opened up a hatch and just thrown his piano out into the dunes and he does a nosedive after it. Yeah, I'm out of here. Right? <laughs> That's the scene we need to see next. <laughs> Can I just ask Garza Whip, 
she was so eloquent with talking Chrysanthemum down, you know, like beefing him up. And, you know, you used to be the noble gladiator and this and that, you know, touching his arm. Do we think she's just a proprietary owner of this place? Or do you think she's involved in, you know, she's got a boss and she has a ring. I think that um, she is wielding a fair amount of power, maybe beyond the sanctuary. Yeah. Um, I personally think that she's employed directly by Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. That's, that's a good She's bet. employed she by talking. somebody. Uh, she's too good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, she is. Well, and the way she acts is like she is so good at what she does. And yes. she comes in at these points and she seems to be. So really good at what she mm-hmm. does. It really seems like she yeah. knows what she's doing. It would be a waste of a character for her just to be the owner of the sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. She even if she's not working for someone else, she has to play a bigger role in this by the time it's over. They've set yeah. her they the character they've done too much to set the character up for her to just be nobody. Mm-hmm. I think she, so too. If, if she got her own show, Ro wouldn't be able to contain himself. <laughs> <laughs> The book of Garza Whip. <laughs> <laughs> Find something wrong with that one, Ro. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it to the man. <laughs> you just have it on mute. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk All about right, we- the, the last big scene. We're getting the families together, right? Yes. yes. Um what did y'all think about the scene? I mean, I, I think they did a great job setting it up. I, I think that it's it's the most. I mean, we we always kind of thought this was going to be a sort of Godfather esque show, yes. and this was by far the most Godfather scene that we've had yes. so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, uh, yeah. All all the players, or well, I won't say all the players, but most of the players are there in one room and uh, you know, it's uh, you come out of it. Oh, <laughs> Ro knows I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, I, it's just, I, yeah, it, it almost reminds me of like a, a team type situation where you get, you have all these players in place and I'm just ready, you know, uh, for Hannibal to come out with a cigar and say, I love it when a plan comes together, <laughs> and, you know, and then they go, uh, you know, go to battle with this, but I still think there's another piece or two, uh, that we'll get, uh, before the end, um, that will turn the tide, but yeah, it was an amazing scene. I loved, uh, and you could see it. You could, it, uh, everyone that he's positive, you know, positively uh, influenced and uh, is kind of brought under his wing are there. And, you know, and it's no, um, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way that I'm uh, trying to describe it. it. He did it his way. He didn't do it by force. He didn't do it. Yes. He did, he's done it exactly the way that he said he right. wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now he's getting to see, and we're getting to see the fruits of his labors. And we have all these people that are willing to do battle with them. 
And mm-hmm. so let's do battle. Yeah. He didn't even have to threaten him, you know, like little yeah. Rancor was hungry, slipped him, <laughs> you know, bone, yeah. and that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. dying on top of the Rancor pin is uh, brilliant. I mean, that's, that's a move, right? <laughs> yeah, he knew what was going to happen. He, he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> uh, definitely. But I think we find out some good information in this scene. We find out, mm-hmm. one, that Boba Fett has about as much power as Bib Fortuna did, but... Mm-hmm. That's not even in comparison to what Jabba had because they were captains under Jabba. After yes. Jabba dies, it really seems like they took control of those territories, right? And Bib Fortuna was kind of like a figurehead. He wasn't, he yeah. really had no power. Because they even say, like, what keeps us from killing you and someone else taking your spot? You know, like, yeah. it, it doesn't matter to us. Um, so we find that out that he doesn't have the pull that Jabba did. And then, second off, we find out that. It's see, I, well, this is what I think. This is more of a theory, but I think someone's going to betray him. Like they have that whole spiel about, look, I'll fight the Pikes. It's good for all of us. You don't have to help me. Just don't betray me. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we won't betray you. Yeah. Like, yeah. like come on. <laughs> <laughs> someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it. That Trandoshan. Yeah, definitely. Good. And he even, and, and Fennec even asks, so do you, do you really believe him? And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna do this good for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely shaping up to be uh, an epic fight. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, so we go from there. I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, do you think the the other families, the other the other Mos Espa families, are going to stay out of it like they promised? Nah. No. Uh, no, uh, I think I think most of them. No. Some will join, some will stay out, and there'll be at least one knucklehead that that tries to play both sides and mm-hmm. gets caught in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I'm, I'm, right. I'm curious to see how that's going to go down. Um, you know, because I part when it didn't go quite the way when he asked them to stay out of it. It's not the way I thought it was going. I thought it was going to be, you know, basically, you know, well, if you're not going to join me, then you're going, you're going to have to deal with me. Yeah. uh, Well, I will say that this kind of goes along with like another big theme in this show, and that is ruling with respect. You know, you talked about earlier, um, no one gets real far without a tribe. Well, this is the other Mm -hmm. thing. It's ruling with respect. I'm not going to tell them they have to, or I'm going to kill them like Jabba would. Yeah. One day he hopes to bring all of these organizations together, all these people together under the mantle of respect instead of fear. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. big theme in this show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And he says so, it all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> he says that and he says, I am Boba Fett. A yes. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> Uh, well, he has to say that because nobody else on Tatooine has a name. Because I'm telling you, there's like the Hut Twins don't have a name, like the Red <laughs> doesn't have a name, Danny Trejo doesn't have a name. Like, who right. are these people? Right. The Mighty Morphin Power Kids, none of them have names. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> well, well, the girl does. I can't oh, remember yeah. what that name is, but she has a name, but I don't remember what that is. <laughs> so let's just uh go ahead and get to it here we we've got the the big scene at the end this was mm-hmm. i mean there's not much they could have done to grab your attention more than the mandalorian thing to play at the end of this oh it's so good 
So what do you think that means? Are we just getting Din? Are we getting all of the Mandalorians? Are you know, are we getting I know. Uh, <laughs> like how much are we getting here? I don't know. So I'm of the opinion and what kind of bothers me about this scene is like I feel like that Boba Fett and Din Djarin are kind of bros now. You know, they have they're both Mandalorian, they have cool armor together, like they helped each other out. So I didn't see the point of being like, we have to hire muscle and brawn and brains and all that. And then mint and then have the music play like it's gonna be Din Djarin. I think Bo Katan is gonna be the one who wants the money. Like I really think she's not doing for right. I think free. Din's she coming because like Din's mission is different. Right. Um, but yeah, to, to hire the rest of the Mandalorian crew. And actually, I think where this is going, I think we're gonna get a good bit of whatever forces Bo Katan is wielding. I still yeah. think that where the Mandalorian is heading after season two, and I think it's where it was always heading, is the reclamation of Mandalore. Yes. That we're right. going back to Mandalore, right. where Mandalore is going to rise to prominence again. Because right. let's remember, like, Din Djarin has the Darksaber. So yeah. is it just going to be him, or is he going to bring all of Mandalore with him? You know, right. like... So, so many where, possibilities. So where I hope this is going, because as of right now, what we know about Boba Fett, what he said in The Mandalorian, he doesn't care, or at least at that point, didn't care anything about going, you know, about Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He felt no loyalty to it, you know, talked about the planet just being gl- turned to glass. Like, he's yeah. not interested. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, what I'm hoping to see here is they're going to come help him, that they're going to bring these forces, they're going to help him with his issue, and then when it's time to go reclaim Mandalore from whoever's actually in control, mm-hmm. that we're going to see Boba Fett and whatever power he's wielding by that point come to their aid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Mando, the Mandalorian, or the like, this is kind of like the Mandoverse now, because it kind of started with the Mandalorian, is like the focal point. You know, uh, like back in uh, the, the Arrowverse, right? DC mm-hmm. stuff. It's kind of all focused around Arrow until the Arrow ends. But I could see that like all the people that the Mandalorians like been in contact with the major players will come and help in that final hour to help Mandalore. I think that's going to be cool, but I think, I really think that Bo-Katan is going to use the money. Like Boba Fett's going to have to pay Bo-Katan to come help him out. And she's going to use that kind of to help get the, the war effort up for Mandalore. Yeah, No, I for sure think that's, that's where that's going. That's, that's uh, what so, I, yeah. As far as what Joker's saying here about Boba not being a Mandalorian, um, that that is all very hazy in canon. Uh, at one time, he was not a Mandalorian, but he's always been from Conquered Dawn, which is a Mandalorian planet controlled planet. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know what well, the even his. There's also code. Mandalorians that you're not a Mandalorian if you didn't take the creed, right? So right. there's multiple definitions of what a Mandalorian is at this right. point. Well, his chain code in Mandalorian season two it, that uh, I think is the yes, final the episode. Chain his chain code said he's a Mandalorian. So, yeah. like, I, I'm with you. I don't. It like, was a I good enough like, answer for Den to not take, yeah. you know, not try to keep right. the armor. So, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So, well, am I the only one that did not like the theme to be played? I did. Yeah. Like I. <laughs> You're all alone, DJ. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> I love you, DJ. <laughs> you have you have a show that's about Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. You're halfway through the show, and you play the theme of another 
highly popular show. So now you have this show is now going to become Mandalorian season 2.5. Or you can just and say I think for the mid season finale, but if you, if you would have left it off and it would have been more of a shock to see, you know, uh, Din come in to save the day or another character from the show come in, I think would have had more impact if you have led that left that theme off. Because now it's that whole theme is going to overshadow this show. I, in, at least in my opinion, anyway. It's, it's yeah. always it's always the danger. It was the danger with bringing Ahsoka into the Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's always the danger. It's it's it was what the sequel struggled well, with more than anything. Yeah. It's like how do you come out of the shadow of these bigger players? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always a risk. But I, yeah. I like when they played that theme. I mean, I came up off the couch like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did too. Yes, I, mean, I, I, I needed did. that. I think everybody needed that. So I, I mean, I didn't need yeah, that. I loved the whole thing, but a lot of people did not like the whole thing. So a lot of people yeah. did that. Yeah, I, 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 mean, like I, I, I did. I and, it, and I got excited there for a second, but then I was thinking, it was like, well, how you know? It's like I think this is going to do more hurt than it is good. Uh, I just I, I I really think that it, because of the reaction that. I gave it really trumps anything else in the show up to this point. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to come to DJ's aid here. I know that he is <laughs> very much alone and he needs some help, um, but I, I got to get what you're saying because I think the Mandalorian did Luke Skywalker. Well, you had no idea Luke Skywalker was coming and then he pops in for the season finale and he's gone. Right. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if he's going to show up again. That's up in the air. I hope he doesn't cause that will overshadow the Mandalorian period. But with this, we haven't even seen the Mandalorian yet. We haven't seen Din Djarin. So you play the theme and now everyone's going to be like, is he going to be in this episode? No. Is he going to be in this episode? No. <laughs> you know, and I kind of, I, I was excited when I heard the music and I still think it's good, but I see where you're coming from. I really do. Because the mm -hmm. Mandalorian, people think that is the gold standard at this point. And, I, and I, I agree. I think the Mandalorian is a great thing to measure all these shows up to, but um, it has two seasons. It has a lot more um, cutability factor. I mean, you got baby Yoda Grogu. I mean, mm. you know, so I think you could be right on this. I do think in an interconnected universe, I do think that this is going to serve because right now we have no idea where Din Djarin goes from uh, Grogu leaving, right? Like that show yeah. has been a, a two lead show. Uh, with one of them being a puppet, but still, and you know, he's gone. Mm -hmm. Grogu's gone. What, who is Din Djarin now? And mm -hmm. so I do think that that, I think that this is going to serve to set up whatever Mandalorian season three is. Yeah. So I do think that looking at it as all one thing, I think that it's important. I think that it's going to wind up being important. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to point out, uh, let's see, somebody said it back here. Uh, also not forget that, uh, that, uh, Den, Den does have people on Tatooine as well. That's right. Um, and yeah. Cobb Vance yeah. is one that I would absolutely love to show back up. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. a cool character. I like Cobb Vance a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. 
There is one thing um, of this series that I still can't wrap my brain around. And everybody, the the mayor, um, I can't remember his name, you know, like with the whoosh head. Yes, a, thank you. Yeah. He keeps saying, he yeah, he, he said something like, you know, um, my boss is not who you think or, you know, the people responsible is not what you think. And we all assume that it's the Pikes. But what if it's not the Pikes? And what if it's not Crimson Dawn? Because that's, you know, our other guests. What if it's like Thrawn or something? You know, like, my mind is going like a million miles a minute over that. And yeah, it's like episode four, and it's still haunting me. Right. I mean, they kind of left us hanging with that Ahsoka episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as, you know, is Thrawn like it's so he's already back. So we've got, we've yeah. still at some point got to fill in the story of how he's back. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, as we still don't know what the story with Ezra Bridger is. Right. Um, so. We've still got questions as far as how, what Thrawn's grasp on the galaxy are. Yeah. But I do think that's very much an Ahsoka specific thing. I don't know. I don't, that's I don't what I was thinking. I really do. That's what I was thinking, but, but what if that's what they want us to be thinking? That's true, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm expecting about anything. But I will say this. This is kind of my one gripe, and it kind of ties in good here about this this show so far and that's mm -hmm. every time we get a villain that seems threatening the next episode they're gone i mean we get uh the huts and black chrysanthemum in one episode the next episode mm -hmm. it's like we're all friends now see ya and then now the yeah. pike are the really big bad guys and i don't think that boba fett should be scared of the pikes in that way because i mean he's he's already got a force that could take on just the pikes that are there right so there has to be something big to take on boba fett and yes. his his group of folks, the Mandalorian and, and their folks, because that's that's mm -hmm. where it seems that it's coming. I mean, the Mando's coming, like he's gonna have yeah. this big army, and there has to be something equally as big or even bigger that they have to overcome. You know, yeah. I don't think it's just the fights, it has to be something really big. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> now it's gonna be interesting to see how they set all that up. And I think yeah. The, yeah. the huts, I don't think they had them in there for no reason. I think the huts I are agree. um oh, they'll be I, back. I, I think the huts are are just more shady that they're mm -hmm. they're like we're gonna sit this fight out and we'll come in and clean up the mess yeah it's probably more their play mm -hmm. yeah right so maybe a season two villain or they're steeped in with the uh the pikes or something like that yeah i agree yeah, yeah. and and cad we just have to throw another name out there cad Bean. um he's he's out there somewhere I hope he goes against Boba and, and Phoenix Man. We need we need oh, a Phoenix Man Cad Bane rematch. Oh yes. <laughs> so many possibilities. Yeah. I think all the bounty hunters are on the table at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw them all in there. Let's have a big royal rumble in the final episode. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised that maybe Luke and Boba may be on like a Okay, uh, right you're on the same team. Maybe Han Solo show up. He's like, "Hey, Han, Boba's turned a new leaf," and Han Solo shows up with Chewie. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's I've been thinking that forever. Really 
because didn't they they said at the beginning like way before this even started that han solo like was on set for like one day so you know we've got to see him come on (laughs) come on (laughs) yeah i'd be a little shocked if we get anything like that in this show but um you know in in the interest of creating and, and you know an interwoven universe i mean there are a lot of people from the original trilogy that are on the table. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, and with Filoni in charge, I wouldn't take anyone off the table until he does it himself. Because, exactly. Uh, you know, there's nobody that really weaves that kind of stuff together mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe like Dave does. That's right. Right. Right, right. <sighs> <laughs> but I am very excited to see with three episodes left. I think we're over the hump. I think we're really getting down to business for these next three episodes. And uh, I can't wait to see where it's going. I'm like I said, overall, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the story that's being told. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, it's the, the possibilities are unlimited. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I really can't. Uh, I, I, <laughs> And I, I hate to venture the guess that this next episode is really going to be uh, show us a lot, but I, you just you never know. Yeah, uh, yeah. especially with uh, Filoni, they said you're going to get uh, you know the things you don't expect in every episode. Uh, yeah, and so far, yeah, uh, yeah. Man, there's been deep cuts. There's been uh you know deleted scene uh you know re- reveals uh, from like Thank a new you. hope that no one would have ever thought that would have been possible mm-hmm. and so you, you never know what you're going to get and that that's a that's a good thing and you know keeps us uh you know uh, in this hobby that that we have here is uh, yeah. we can we can guess yeah. and speculate till the cows come home and that's right. You know, and then yes. after we're all wrong with all of our guesses. Right back to the drawing table. Here we right. go again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think that the series is flawless, but I'm I'm really there's a lot I really appreciate as a Star Wars fan about this. And I mean, you know, yeah. even down to just Dave Filoni's constant reverence for Ralph McQuarrie's art. Yeah. That yeah. just keeps showing up. It it shows up through everything that Filoni does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But uh I think that's that's got us about to the end. Does anybody have any final thoughts on either episode four of the book of Boba Fett or what we'll see next week? Three days. Just Three keep days. it coming. <laughs> keep it coming. I want all of the Boba Fetts. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, loving I just... it. Yeah, I'm I'm loving it too. It's it's mm-hmm. had its points where it's it's here and it's there. You know, there's some things I don't quite like, but I mean that's everything, right? And I think yeah. some, some fans kind of kind of harp on the the small things that are bad about it, but I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. We could be nitpicking space underwear or zippers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Garza Flip what? was not wearing a bra, okay? Just, just <laughs> I saying. I mean, there, there what are. What kind of there. aftershave does Han Solo use? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, <laughs> well, it's like I always go back to with with George. Anytime someone says George Lucas said, George Lucas says a lot of stuff, yeah. and mm-hmm. then a year later he will say the exact opposite, and nobody flinches. Mm-hmm. It's just George Lucas said. It's like yeah. George. George kind of. 
steps on his own words all the time. So and then it didn't I, even matter. He didn't own it anymore. I mean, it's it's all Disney right. realm. Well, now, but like but. the silly stuff with like, like zippers. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like oh, George <laughs> said no zippers in Star Wars. And it's like and then George put zippers in Star Wars. Like, yeah, Luke definitely I mean, zips up his his uh, flight suit. Like, well, I mean, I think Boss zips up the back of his his entire person. Like, I mean, like <laughs> right. But I mean, we literally there. see a scene where Luke zips yeah. his suit, and it's like, that's true. Yeah, it's like the zipper's not visible, but it's definitely a zipper. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, anyway, any any more final thoughts? No, good. this has been right. fun. Keep on giving well, it yeah, to me. Thanks for coming. Thanks everybody in the chat for joining us. Uh, thanks for everybody. having me, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Uh, thanks for really having me on. It's been a, great. Yeah. Um, like I said, big thanks to everybody in the chat and let's go around the room here and let everybody uh, tell where to find your podcast and find you online. So uh, I'll start with you, DJ. All right. I am co-host of rogue one radio podcast. Uh, we do it live every Tuesday. Uh, I believe, let's see, try to get uh, the time zones right. Uh, we do it from uh, 7 Central. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, me and Steve Long and uh, Nicole. And uh, yeah, we, ha we have a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, Blake, where can people find you? So uh, I am a co-host on Dork Wars, the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Dork Wars Podcast. We even have a link tree where you can find like everywhere, all our socials, whatever mediums we're on, everything. Um, just type in Dork Wars link tree on Google. That's way simpler than trying to type in the URL. I'm just going to tell you now. Uh, but we have a lot of fun. I mean, there's five of us on our podcast, so it's, it gets it gets a little it gets a little crazy. Um, we release every week, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're actually going to try to do some more of this live stuff that uh, we're doing here now. So we're actually trying to ramp up on that on our YouTube channel and all. Awesome. So check it out. All right. And uh, Kelly. I run the social medias for Dave and Jason from the Sidebar Cantina. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Getter, Discord, and let's see. And we have some Spotify's too. Um, music, playlists, podcasts, you name it. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at CRU underscore podcast. You can drop us a line at Coruscant Radio Underground at gmail.com. And as always, check out our podcast as well as the rest of the Red 5 Podcast Network at red5network.com. Mm -hmm or at Red5Network on Twitter. And until next time, may the force be with you.